Leadership matters to a membership-driven organization like the American Angus Association. I'm Miranda Ryman, Senior Associate Editor of the Angus Journal, and I've talked with the eight candidates vying for five seats on the Board of Directors. Listen in as we head to Southern Indiana in this episode. I'm visiting today with Lauren Wilson, who's an Angus breeder from Orleans, Indiana, where he and his family have farmed for generations. Lauren, you already shared your bio in the October Angus Journal, but for those who are listening, do you want to just give us a recap? Tell us just a little bit more about yourself and your operation. Oh, well, for starters, uh, compared to a lot of folks, we, uh, uh, we're we a fairly modest size operation uh, scale-wise. We, we're running about 70 registered cows, and uh, we do operate a, a family feedlot that we uh, we have capacity of about 250 to 275 head where we, uh, we finish out our own calves and... Uh, Youngest daughter and her husband run a set of commercial cows over at our south farm, and we finish out her calves. And then we we do a little custom feeding for some other people, and uh, we like to try to buy calves back from uh, from people that we've sold bulls to, so that way we know a little bit about the background on the cattle we're feeding. Uh, like I say we don't uh, we don't do any one particular thing on a grand scale, but uh, I'd like to think we do several several things well uh, we we do put an awful lot of emphasis here at home on high quality forage uh, we're down in the southern part of Indiana where uh, we've got some rolling hills and pasture ground it is not uh, it's not like what you think of in the, uh, northern and central Indiana where it's flat and soybeans and corn for miles uh, this is cattle country down here uh, we don't have a uh, a large bull sale every year. Uh, we're very selective on what we keep for bulls. We, uh, with our feedlot and uh, the demand we have for for really well finished cattle, there uh, we're very selective. We'll keep maybe five or six of our top bulls a year to sell. Uh, we sell packages of females about every spring for replacements, and. Uh, uh, as far as myself, what uh, what I've been active in, uh, my wife and I have been uh, junior advisors for our state uh, junior Angus Association, and uh, we've we've really that's something we've really enjoyed working with the kids and their families. Uh, of course, in 2014, when Indiana hosted the National Junior Angus Show, my wife and I uh, co-chaired the show in 2014, and working with all of our Indiana volunteers. Uh, to bring that bring that together and make it happen was was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was it was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, uh, outside of the Angus realm here in our state, uh, I was involved for ten years with our state beef cattle association, uh, six years as a regional representative from the southern end of the state here, and uh, and four years as an officer. Uh, I still am very active with the. Uh, Hoosier Beef Congress uh, Committee, and uh, enjoy working with that and uh, working with the kids there. That gives us a uh, gives you a pretty good handle on all the other people involved in the other breeds, not only are outside of our Angus circle. Uh, here on our uh, southern end of the state, we have a regional association, the Southern Indiana Angus Association, where uh, I've served as uh, chairman for our our spring consignment sale for the past several years, and uh, tried 
trying hard to improve that every year and trying to get cattle to get uh, consigners to bring better, increasingly quality cattle every year if we possibly can. Uh, as far as uh, here around home, uh, we are, uh, our family's very active in our uh, local Christian church down here. I served on church board for several years. And uh, uh, the, uh, well, there are three schools here around us that uh, the ag programs uh, all have very active judging teams. Uh, we've uh, had had a lot of times where the kids have come out. I I love working with the the young kids that are uh, getting started on giving reasons and doing their judging and uh, the opportunity to put classes together for them here with the feedlot and and as as well uh, replacement heifers as well. And uh, that's working with them has been uh, has been a lot of fun. Well, it's been really fun hearing everybody's different backgrounds in that. So the next question is, what are some of the things that you think are going right in the Angus business today? Well, of course, we all know the the purpose of the Angus Association to is to improve the breed as a whole, and. Uh, I think uh, some of the recent focus in the last couple of years on uh, things like udder shape and foot scores, uh, I think that's that's really key, and it's uh, high time we've been looking at some of these things. Those are fundamentals, uh, things that uh, I don't care what breed of cattle you've got, those are things you need to look at. And uh, those are, in my mind, things that outweigh uh, some of the emphasis we put on uh, some of the EPDs, uh, as far as the dollar values and stuff, if uh, if you don't have good feet, uh, if you don't have good udder uh, shape, uh, I think uh, those are really important, and uh, I'm I'm really thrilled that we're we're looking at that and focusing on it now. Uh, one of the other things that uh, that I was impressed when I uh, saw the the minutes of the the last board meeting. Uh, we're currently operating on a balanced budget uh, for the first time in. Uh, Several years, uh, we they were able to have a balanced budget without uh, dipping into using any of the uh, any of the interest off invested money. Uh, I think that uh, that speaks very highly of uh, how well things are being managed. Uh, as far as good things that the association is doing, I, I think it's hard to overemphasize the uh, uh, the importance of our junior programs, and uh, we have a junior program that's second to none. Uh, those are uh, the things that we saw when uh, when my wife and I were serving as junior advisors in our state, uh, seeing the kids participate uh, maybe for their first time in some of the contests and stuff at junior nationals and uh, get their feet wet doing something they weren't uh, familiar with, uh, uh, developing their self-confidence and things like that. Uh, I I just think that's that's a wonderful thing, and uh, had the opportunity a couple of years ago. Uh, of course, we're we're close to Louisville, close proximity to Louisville, and uh, one of the other breed associations had a uh, their junior national in Louisville, and we were asked to provide a set of heifers for a judging contest, and we took eight heifers down for a keep and cull class. And while they were there, we got the opportunity to browse around through the barn and uh, just didn't see, we didn't see the uh, the kind of 
unity that uh, our association has where kids tie by states. It was uh, more on an individual basis and uh, really, uh, really could see the difference. And I, it just, just made me prouder of uh, the, the great job that our junior program is doing. I love talking about the things that are going right in the business. Um, kind of on the flip side of that coin, talk about some of the challenges that Angus breeders will face in the future and how can the association best adapt to serve its membership? Well, to me, I think one of the biggest challenges we've got facing us is that there are so many other breeds that have, uh, well, they've integrated enough Angus genetics into their breed to color them black. And, uh, of course, we all know it's it's no secret industry-wide that uh, black feeder calves, uh, particularly Angus-sired feeder calves, uh, are worth a premium. Uh, anybody that's involved in the business knows that. But uh, the uh, the fact that some of these other breeds that have colored their cattle black to where uh, – and they – they talk about hybrid vigor. When you start watering down and diluting the genetics uh, by mixing a little of this breed with the Angus, uh, there's not near as much predictability. And I think uh, the idea of the fact that we've got so many other breeds out there that uh, are selling black cattle that will sire those feeder calves black but don't have the carcass characteristics that Angus cattle have, I think it's one of the biggest challenges we're going to have to, to address. Now, having said that, I think the, uh, the Angus link program uh, is definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, the fact that uh, those cattle, and I think we're seeing that already in a lot of the sales that uh, those cattle are bringing a premium because people want to get back to knowing that they are getting quality Angus genetics and not just a black-hided calf. Um, for several years, we had the opportunity. Uh, we worked with a uh, small packing plant here in Louisville, Kentucky, which is only 50 miles from us, uh, Dawson Baker Packing, which was a CAB packer. And uh, we had probably one of the best educational opportunities by following up our cattle uh, Price was never finalized until those cattle were graded the following day and hung on the rail. And we knew how those cattle were grading, and then we were paid accordingly. Um, I used to hear quite frequently, you'd hear people that had other breeds of cattle talk about, oh, when you take the hide off of them, they all look the same. Well, I don't want to say those people are uneducated, but I, I will go ahead and say they're uninformed because when you take the hide off of cattle, and see them hanging on the rail. That's when you can really tell, and there. That's when that's when the differences really show up. Uh, we we saw that ourselves in different different cattle that we had fed. Uh, some that came out of our cows, some that came out of cattle that we bought, and uh, the differences in the cattle that were all fed exactly alike, but the differences in how they grade, depending on the genetics that's bred into them. The, that's a real eye opener. Sure. Well, thank you for offering that perspective. So, can you tell me anything about your leadership style and and why you think good leadership matters? Well, uh, <laughs> for starters, there's an awful lot of people who 
I know over the years, uh, not just on the Angus board, but on other boards as well, there are people that say, well, why did, why did the board do so-and-so? You know, why did they take this action? Uh, I'm one of these people, it, it's real easy to be a Monday morning quarterback and say, well, they should have done this instead, and why didn't they do it this way? Uh, unless I have all the facts, uh, I'm going to withhold my opinion until I know everything that, that somebody else knows uh, before I'm going to criticize any any decisions that somebody else has made or that the board has made. And uh, uh, I, I like to hear all the facts before I draw a conclusion. Now, having said that, uh, I'm not afraid to express my opinion. Uh, several years ago, I laughed. Uh, the very first meeting I was at as a regional uh, regional representative on the Indiana Beef Cattle Association board, we have staggered terms much like the Angus Association does. And there were three or four of us that were new, newly elected directors. And our very first meeting, they asked us to, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. And I said, well, there are people who love the sound of their own voice and think they have to have something to say about every subject. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I will listen, and uh, I like to uh, I like to hear all the things, all the all the inputs, all the facts before I develop an opinion. If it's something that's important, uh, I'll weigh in and voice my opinion. Uh, I laughed and told them. I said, uh, if it's not important, I may not have anything to say. But I said, if I feel like it's something that's significant, I don't want anybody going home and as you're driving home thinking. Well, I wonder what Lauren thought about that. I said, I, I promise you, if it's important, before we leave the meeting, you'll know what I thought. <laughs> uh, I uh, There are some people who we laugh at, at a church board meeting. We used to laugh and say, well, somebody, uh, here's your chance. If you haven't said ahead anything, say, here's your chance. You can second this motion so, you know, your name will be in the minutes. I, uh, I'm not one to just jump in and say, just to be heard, uh, like I say, if it's important, I'll weigh in. I I do think board members should bring a variety of thoughts. If you come from diverse backgrounds, uh, I think bringing a variety of thoughts is good. Don't and you know you may have an idea that somebody else hasn't thought of. Uh, to bring an idea to the table and say, what about this? It may not be practical. But it might be something that's worth at least thinking about. So uh, I think fresh ideas are where improvement comes from. And uh, as a board member, I will say this. I, I feel pretty strongly if people think enough of you to elect you as a board member, apparently they think you have fairly decent judgment. And you were elected to use your good judgment and not just do what somebody else on the board tells you you're supposed to do. Uh, I, uh, I, I think that's what gives diversity and different ideas uh, is, is what gives a board uh, a broader perspective of thinking. I, I really appreciate hearing that kind of jump off the, the page and an expansion of what you wrote there in the October Angus Journal, so I appreciate that. Is there anything else that you would like people to know before November's annual meeting? Oh, uh, I don't guess anything in particular. I uh, I appreciate the fact that for for several years, for oh, four or five years now, I've had had some folks uh, in the Angus breed that 
that I have had uh, a lot of respect for over time. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of folks that uh, that I admire have encouraged me to run, and and uh, just needed to wait until the uh, opportunity was right. Uh, for one thing, our uh, youngest daughter and, and her husband have uh, uh, they have come home and joined us here on the operation which uh, has freed me up and given me uh, a little more time than I used to have uh, I realize that serving on the board's gonna it's gonna be a time commitment there's no question and uh, with them here uh, I especially <laughs> I especially realized right after last year's convention how Im how important it is to have them here uh, I probably got as much out of last year's Angus convention as anybody who attended because I came home and 48 hours later had a massive case of COVID. Uh, I, uh, I was down for three and a half weeks and they, uh, they finished, uh, I was, I was housebound for three and a half weeks and they, uh, they finished harvesting the last of uh, last of the crop. We had about 250 acres of corn left out that they, uh, they got in and, uh, I uh, I don't know what I'd have done without them. That's for sure. So uh, having them here to, to kind of help carry on things while uh, while I'm taking care of Angus activities has been very important. I uh, I I've been very very fortunate to be blessed with a good family, and uh, I I certainly don't take that for granted. It is a big time commitment and an investment in the organization. So we appreciate that there's good people willing to throw their hat in the ring. People can look forward to getting to know you a bit better at the convention in November. Well, we'll look forward to meeting as many folks as possible as we can out at Fort Worth, Miranda. That was Angus breeder Lauren Wilson. For a full list of delegates and business items, visit angusconvention.com. For the entire group of board candidate interviews, visit angusjournal.net. Reporting for the Journal, this is Miranda Ryman.